when you're having an issue with something specific, try and broaden the scope. So I'm taking the the scenario in which I feel anxiety about completely out of the equation and instead offering myself an outside solution that feels more safe and feels more comfortable because my past self is used to having a good night's sleep. Hi friends and welcome to Do The Damn Thing. I'm your host, Lauren LaRue. I'm an entrepreneur, a lifestyle coach, and a content creator for my brand, LaRue. And if you're here today, it's because you're ready to elevate your lifestyle, live more intentionally, and achieve your dreams. And you found just the right place to do so. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another fabulous episode of the Do The Damn Thing podcast. As per usual, I'm so excited to have you here with me today, and I'm always excited to dive into the topics of the week. And I had something different planned for this week, but I felt very inspired and very called to record this specific podcast. So last night, um, around maybe like eight or nine, I posted on my story that I'd been having trouble with a very specific nightmare, and I asked everyone for advice. And I was really just like overwhelmed with messages this morning, how other people have had their own really horrible nightmares and how people deal with like sleep apnea or insomnia or things like that. And I said in my story that it's not necessarily that I have this dream every night because I don't. It's that I'm to the point where I'm having it often enough that I go to sleep with anxiety, wondering if I will have it. So I want to first start with, you know, as as usual, this is this is has a lot to do with my brother. So after my brother died within the first like six months, I want to say closer to five or six months after he passed away, I had this nightmare about him and his death. And it was very traumatizing, but I only had it the one time. And then I had it, you know, several months later. And then again, after that, several months later, And of course, I wasn't in a position that I am in now to understand like what that dream was trying to communicate to me or what that nightmare was trying to communicate with me. But, you know, now I obviously am. And I understand that the way I see it and the way I where I see it in my timeline has most certainly been like this dream really appears when I'm hitting really big goals or, you know, I'm like I'm I'm hitting my own ceilings and crashing through them or or just going through really major up levels in my life and this dream starts to happen and since I want to say maybe July I've had this dream a lot like far more than normal and you know if you ask me objectively I'd say I'm definitely in a position of having healed the majority of my grief definitely the emotions outside of grief, I would say. I've healed so much of my anger, so much of my guilt, so much of my resentment uh, around my brother's death, but the grief will always be present, right? My brother's death will always be sad, and that's always going to be something I'm remembering and knowing, and it's always going to be a part of me. But for the most part, I feel like I've healed a lot of the underlying, more difficult emotions around my grief. But I see this dream arising, and my first instinct in understanding it is that it's around a lot of guilt which I am confused about right because like I just said I feel like I've healed a lot of that guilt but I'm not gonna dance around the point anymore I'll tell you about the dream and and you know get dive into the podcast so essentially this nightmare happens very fast um and you know I know a lot of the details about my brother's death we had him cremated so he's not buried anywhere and when we want to go you know visit him like someone would visit a grave 
we put in a memorial at his crash site where his motorcycle went down and where he died. And we have a beautiful, you know, flower pot there. And I made a beautiful plaque that is signed by me and my parents. And it's just where we go to like be with him and remember him. We go there on Christmas and his birthday and his anniversary and even like our birthdays and, you know, just like random days to just go see him. And I am very, I'm a very visual person. And since I've been there so many times, you know, I could, I could almost describe it like if someone were to paint it, I could describe all the details. So I'm very familiar with what the space looks like. And Josh died at nighttime. So in this dream, it's nighttime and I'm standing in the road where he crashed and Josh's bike veered off the path, so where, or uh, I'm sorry, off the road. So where he passed away was in grass. And I'm standing in the road, and I'm paralyzed. I can't move. And I see my brother turning the corner on his bike, and I watch him die. And I just can't do anything about it. I feel powerless. It's very overwhelming. Um, and I wake up in sheer panic. I, I wake up, like, drenched in sweat. My heart is pounding. I can't catch my breath. It's just a very overwhelming sensation. And each time it feels like the dream is just getting more and more clear. Like I can see the minutia of detail. And it's, you know, as you can imagine, that's that's not easy to watch. It's, it's really hard. It's, it's uh, very overwhelming. And it's a lot of stimulus happening in a way that makes me feel very uncomfortable, um, especially with myself, like in my own body, because... I obviously want so badly to move and and help him and I can't you know I just I'm standing there paralyzed my feet are glued to the ground and I can't move so the dream has been occurring for years now and I never really told anyone about it um I just thought it was kind of my own coping mechanism to grief and uh kind of I thought in the beginning before I, I knew what I know now I thought it was my brain trying to like make make an understanding of how he died because we were all very unsure at the beginning of like exactly what happened with him. So I thought that was kind of my own coping mechanism to make, make an understanding of how he died, like the actual mechanics of it. But as time went on the dream just kept happening and nothing was changing about it. Like I would gain some understanding about Josh's passing away, but nothing would change about the dream. And then I want to say I probably went a good two, three years without having it. And then in June, I had the dream again, June or July. And it was really scary because it had been kind of something I not necessarily forgot about, just hadn't given any thought to in a really long time because I hadn't had the dream in a really long time. And then I had this dream, again, very, very similar to... Every time that's happened, I woke up in a panic. My heart was racing. I was drenched in sweat. And um, it just, it felt like, if it, for me, it feels like a very out-of-body experience. And like I'm sitting there watching it happen, it, like it's a memory replaying rather than a nightmare. Like it, it, it's become so real. And I wake up and i think for a moment what usually happens is i do think that it was real and i did just witness this and it's like i you know fell like fell down fell asleep and then woke up in the hospital like does that make sense you know what i mean like you just it, it's the last memory you have and then for some reason you you know pass out or something or you fall asleep and then you wake up and that's what you're thinking about 
I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how it feels. And it just feels very, very real. And so it's been since June that I've been telling you guys that I was hitting this precipice and so much was changing and the creative studio was taking off so well and, you know, just a lot of my dreams were coming true. And so at first when it started happening, I thought it was like an upper limit problem. Like, okay, this is, this is a, this is a reminder that, (laughs) you know, and this is like a past me thought, something I was tapping around, but I don't believe this is the cause of the nightmare anymore. But at first I thought it was an upper limit problem and I thought, you know, okay, this is me like trying to subconsciously scare myself into staying safe and, you know, this is a reminder that, you know, (laughs) life ends and, got to embrace it while you can so again like I said this is very like past Lauren thoughts pre pre 180 change and then the dream kept happening I was tapping around it I was tapping around the nightmare itself tapping around the upper limits that I thought existed there and it just kept happening nothing was changing about the dream and it just kept happening more frequently so Then for, I want to say for a good two or three weeks after that, I had the dream probably like seven or eight times, which might not seem like a lot, but to wake up seven or eight times in sheer panic and fear, having continuously reliving my brother's death, that's a lot. It it was incredibly overwhelming. So I shared this with Jess. I shared this with my parents. I told them what was happening. And um, I kind of came to the conclusion that something likely even deeper was going on under the surface with this dream and with this nightmare. It didn't feel like an upper limit. And I started to kind of see where I still had a lot of guilt. So anyways, fast forward, it's now almost October. And when this podcast comes out, it will be October. And I've had the dream dozens of times since June. Um, It happens usually on a night that's quiet for me like I kind of just I didn't go out with friends I didn't have dinner out you know I have my own kind of quiet night to myself I work maybe I try and read before I go to bed rather than watch tv um that's definitely not always the case but then it's it's usually on these nights and it's become something I'm hyper aware of now to the point where I'm thinking okay like now I have anxiety about this. Am I going to have a really restless night? Because, it, you know, when I wake up after that panic, it takes a while for me to calm down. It takes a while for me to fall back asleep. And it's just it's just very, very overstimulating and overwhelming, right? So I've noticed, I think, I'm trying to figure out what, I, what exactly I want to say here because a lot of this is really private. And, you know, even just sharing the dream feels a little overwhelming to me. But... What I've surmised, I guess I can say, from this, especially in the last couple days, I'm recognizing where I think I still feel a lot of guilt in what feels like, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a horrible person, so I'm just going to say it and I hope you guys take it in in the way I mean it. You know, when I have told you guys in the past on podcasts, like I feel, I've always known that I was meant for something more and something something deep and meaningful and blah, 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 blah. You guys know what I'm talking about. A part of that has always been understanding that my brother and I were so different. We were the complete, complete opposite child. And you actually hear my mom talk about this on the podcast that I do with her. Like, 
I was outgoing. I did sports. I was athletic. I was a part of groups in school. I did really well in school. I was always a straight A student. Like I, I was that like pinnacle child, which sounds, you know, so self-centered, but essentially that's what it was. And my brother was the complete opposite. He was always the one causing trouble. He was, he just had a lot of issues, which you guys know, like I've shared this with you in the grief podcast and more about my brother. And I think when I was younger, because I was so unwilling to understand what was truly, and I don't want to use the word wrong, but was it out of balance with my brother, I was unwilling to understand, right? So I just always thought, especially as a kid, he was so much older than me. I always just thought I was better than him. Like, I'm just going to say it. You know, I was a, I was a kid. I was young and he wasn't willing to fix what was out of balance. So I wasn't willing to understand. And I always blamed him for the problems in our family when I was a kid. But then, as you guys know, like I got so obviously we both matured. We both got older and I was more understanding of, again, what was out of balance with Josh. And I realized just how selfish, you know, that made me. And again, this wasn't something I like outwardly admitted to myself or even spoke about to myself or with like a therapist or anything. It was just something I was aware of and I never really admitted it. And I think what's happening now is a guilt of... And I actually just talked about this it's on a blog, but I can't remember which one. So I'm not going to bother. But it, it, it was talking about like our fear of outshining others. And I think what's happening now and why this dream has become so persistent and so what feels constant now is there is a there's still a lot of perhaps guilt of overpowering and perhaps outshining my brother in the sense of his grief will always be in his loss will always be a part of me and my parents but at what point will it I don't know how to phrase this I I'm I'm obviously like thinking thinking these things through as I'm talking to you guys I think it's just guilt let me just let me just put it there I really do believe it's not an upper limit anymore because what I understand about upper limits is that they impede you from trying to move forward, right? They, they cause fear. And then you don't want to keep hitting your upper limits. You don't want to keep hitting your ceilings. And I'm crashing through ceilings one after another. You know, my, my work ethic hasn't slowed down. My clients haven't slowed down. Nothing slowed down for me in a sense of fear. And I don't have any fear moving forward in regards to, you know, work. I feel like I'm in a really great spot. I'm getting all my ducks in a row. Like things are great. So it didn't feel like that made sense anymore that this was causing an upper limit. So I've realized, and then this, you know, this is a part of a much, much larger conversation that we continuously have on this podcast about grief and in the fact that there will always be more to heal. You can never just heal grief. You can never just heal trauma. It's a part of you. And to be accepting of that piece of you is to be open to healing it as much as you can. But we're human beings. We're evolving. And we're constantly seeing how both the best moments in our lives and the worst have an effect on the rest of our lives. And although, you know, I don't sit in a capacity of grief as I once did, it'll it'll always be there. You know, just the other day I was cleaning my apartment and – I moved a picture of Josh and I and right next to it I actually have a journal that he wrote in 
and I read it a lot and you know I know exactly what's in it it was actually it's not even more of a journal it's more of like a little notepad that he used to keep recipes in Um, I'm sure I shared in the past but my brother wanted to be a chef but there's a page that's very personal to Josh and it's not a recipe page and it makes me cry every time I look at it because there's so much on that page that I wish I could talk about with my brother that I can't in a sense of having a two-way conversation but I know I can still talk to him So anyways, I'm getting a little off track. This is turning into more of a grief podcast than anything. But I want to talk about dreams specifically. So now I've shared this with you guys. We're halfway through. I've shared what my nightmare has been. And now I want to share all of the amazing advice and sentiments I got from people on Instagram because it was really powerful in understanding. You know, as a coach, I obviously understand I have the tools to offer myself advice like I always think about when I'm in a uncomfortable position I think about what if a client came to me in this scenario what would I say to them and you know I went through like the basic rounds of what I could think about you know doing something fun before bed or obviously I've you know been tapping and meditating and practicing visualizations and I've noticed on the nights that I like watch something more comforting it's it's not as bad or it doesn't happen you know like my favorite show is friends so Watching Friends or something funny like New Girl that always puts me in a good mood before I go to bed, but I don't like to watch TV before I go to bed because it um, hurts my eyes. And I'll, I'll usually like wake up with a headache or something like that, and I just prefer to read because um, I also have trouble falling asleep with the sound. So anyways, just like it, it's not my favorite thing to do, but of course I do it. But I, I kind of went through all those rounds, and I wanted some outside advice because even as – and I want to – stress this point you know overall even as a professional and even as a coach there's always room for me to consume more outside of myself there's always room for me to learn from others you know I I, it's not like I know everything and I just know how to solve all my problems resource will always be those around you and those outside of you but when it comes down to it you know understanding what's best for me will always be the right choice So I went through all of these pieces of advice and I want to talk about a couple big ones that stood out to me. First, I want to mention Valerie. So as you guys know, Valerie, my EFT coach, I love and adore her. She was on the podcast, one of my most downloaded, go listen to it. So Valerie sent me a voice memo about something I could do and I hadn't even made this connection on my own, but it made so much sense when she mentioned it. So like I said, obviously I've been tapping around the nightmare itself. My biggest goal would be to change the narrative around this nightmare because having Josh visit me in my dreams in a way that feels light and positive and loving sounds amazing. But I also don't dream a lot to begin with. Usually if I do have a picture or an image or a scenario happen at night, it is a nightmare. Um, I used to have nightmares a lot as a kid. So I don't tend to dream a lot, but my my like what would make me happy is to just change the change the narrative of the the nightmare to a dream. Josh comes visit me. We, you know, go to f- go get food or have coffee or just talk or whatever and he's there and I get to keep that with me. That is something I would love. So I've been tapping around changing the image of the nightmare and changing what happens and pulling myself out of that situation but still having Josh come visit me when I'm sleeping. But Valerie suggested instead of tapping on the nightmare itself, tap around this idea of getting a good night's sleep, right? So the, the um, 
examples she used was people who suffer from chronic pain. You know, if you suffer from chronic pain, you're likely preparing yourself the next day to be in pain, which I, of course, most certainly understand with, you know, my previous knee problems. Um, when I was towards the end of reaching my surgery, it was it was a point where I was just in chronic pain like every day. So I, I knew exactly what that felt like. And I would prepare myself to be in pain where, you know, I would wake up and take medication every day to, to try and subside the impending pain, right? So like I said, I've been going, it's getting so frequent to the point where I've been going to sleep with anxiety thinking about having this dream. And that's me preparing to have the dream, right? So she said to do some tapping around having a healthy, good night's sleep. Meaning, you know, it's safe for me to sleep eight hours straight through or seven hours straight through. It's it's safe for me to have a good positive dream and not even referencing the nightmare itself. So I think that that's a really great mechanism to think about or tool to use in any scenario. When you're having an issue with something specific, try and broaden the scope. So I'm taking the the scenario in which I feel anxiety about completely out of the equation and instead offering myself an outside solution that feels more safe and feels more comfortable because my past self is used to having a good night's sleep. So... What I will do tonight is I'll do my meditation that I usually do before I go to bed and I'll practice tapping for 10 to 15 minutes on just having a good night's sleep. Not even bringing the nightmare into the scenario, not even talking about the nightmare, just talking about having a good safe night's sleep, reaching REM, listening to my affirmations, just doing the things that feel good to me and feel safe without bringing in any scenarios that could disrupt that. So that was Valerie's suggestion. Uh, definitely, definitely recommend. If you have a specific scenario, I'm trying to think of one on my own. But like I said, just try and take the the thing that is making you uncomfortable or angry or sad or whatever at the moment completely out of the equation and replace it with what you want. So like if you're, what's a good example for this? I'm trying to think. If you're struggling at work with something like a coworker, and someone is putting just like dumping too much work on you take them completely out of the situation and just tap around the fact that it's safe for you to be productive at work today it's safe for you to have a good day like take the the problem in which you fear out of the scenario anyways moving on so then I got a lot of the same like very basic understandings of getting a good night's sleep that I just want to reiterate to you guys and talk about on my own So a lot of them are breathing exercises. Um, I always recommend breathing exercises. So I have a really minor heart condition. It's nothing to be worried about. But I just have essentially extra beats, uh, far more beats than the average person. So when I get really bad anxiety or like I said, you know, when I wake up in these panics, my heart is like 200 beats per minute reaching max. I can just feel it pounding out of my chest. So I I can just feel those extra beats and it makes me very uncomfortable. So I have practiced breathing exercises for years because also a huge fear I used to have that I've tapped around. I'm anaphylactic to peanuts and my doctors have expressed to me that if I can go to an emergency room before using my epi, that would be best because the epi is a shot of adrenaline, right? Which would send, could send my heart into shock because of the extra beats. So it's just like a mechanism I'm aware of. And 
I have practiced breathing exercises for so long. I also just don't have great stamina. Like I can't run, obviously, not even just because of my knee, but I just like can't ever catch my breath. And that's ironic given that I was a professional athlete. So, you know, whatever's there. In dance, it was different, but like with running and I don't know, it's weird. So I've just always like had a stamina issue and I've always been well equipped with a lot of breathing exercises. So anyways, it was a very roundabout point of getting to these actual exercises. So some of my favorite breathing techniques are box breathing. And if you don't know what that is, it's just a, I don't know why, I guess it's just because it's box breathing because it's four sets of four. So you breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four, and so on and so forth. And so I do this about 10 to 15 times when I'm having trouble catching my breath. And then I've been practicing yoga for quite a few years now, but a lot recently since I moved back. And there's this thing called ujjayi breathing, which is where you breathe in and out of your nose and your mouth stays closed. And it's a very powerful form of breathing it's a connecting to the it's your breath connecting to the ocean meaning it sounds like the the waves of an ocean when you're breathing in and out only through your nose and you're making it audible and I've noticed that I tend to slow my heart rate down better when I practice ujjayi breathing so that's a recommendation I have it's just you know taking really deep calming breaths in and out of your nose and keeping your mouth closed And then just practicing breathing exercises in in forms of like counting to 20 and taking really, really deep breaths and just focusing on the counting. Like try as hard as you can to clear your head completely and focus on the breathing itself and the counting of 1 to 20. So then you've also got, you know, a lot of people talk about melatonin and Benadryl and things like that just to help you sleep. I in all forms would prefer to not take medication. I tend to react not great to medication. I know melatonin is something our body produces anyways, but medication just isn't the route I want to take. Some of my friends even suggested like doing CBD oil or anything with CBD. That's just not a route I want to go. And especially with my fear with this specific conversation would be that if I were to take this medication, it would enhance the dream or the nightmare. So it would give it more detail, make it feel more real, which at this point I don't even know if it would be possible, but that does just doesn't sound <laughs> appealing to me. So yeah, that's a no for me, but definitely something to explore. And then a lot of people sent me their own like sleep meditations they use or grounding meditations they use. Um visualizations there's also I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with something called binaural beats so binaural beats are a sound wave that cause like a sort of equilibrium in your in your mind and in your body they're very very calming noises I do listen to them a lot during the day I haven't actually tried listening to them at night I will say I haven't been listening to my affirmations for a while And that is something I do want to start doing again. I just need to go in and like update them all because they're so out of date now. But practicing with like sound waves or, you know, calming noises or binaural beats, I encourage you to go look at them up. Um, I have a really great playlist on my phone that I listen to with, with just like a ton that I've accumulated. But sleep meditations, things like that, I think are definitely something to explore, especially if you're like me and you don't want to go the medication route. 
So I'm going to try a couple of the ones that people have sent me over the next several nights and I can update you guys on that if that's something you'd want. But then a couple people also went to a more um, extreme approach and, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all with something like sleep therapy or exposure therapy. So if you don't know what exposure therapy is, it's essentially where it's kind of like hypnosis where a trained professional will bring you into the dream and you address what's going on and talk about it and change the narrative of the dream. Now, while changing the narrative of this dream is my overall goal, because I would still love to have Josh visiting me while I sleep and and talking to me and having these experiences with him, doing exposure therapy for such a significant trauma, like I, I truly can't stress to you guys how real this dream feels to me. I don't know that I'm honestly in a position to do this yet. That sounds absolutely terrifying and gives me anxiety just thinking about it, which, you know, in the overall picture tells me where I still need to do a lot of work and still need to do a lot of tapping. But watching someone die isn't necessarily a a, a good thing or fun thing to watch. And, you know, it just happens right in front of me. And I don't know that I want to approach it in a way where it's so direct if that makes sense like exposure therapy is very direct you're going into the dream you're being hypnotized into the dream and you're changing it and I just I I don't think that's something I want to practice if the dream was making me angry I would say yes because at that point like it's, it's it's much more easy for me to address anger than it is sadness or guilt but it is sadness and it is guilt. So if you're having nightmares or exposure therapy can be used for so many things. Like if you have a um, like debilitating fear. So if you have a fear of driving or a fear of falling or a fear of heights, exposure therapy, things like that are really, really good to help clear those fears for you. So I do recommend that for something like, you know, again, a fear rather than maybe perhaps a nightmare or something like that. But that's all the great advice I got. I'm so grateful to everyone who also, you know, messaged me and shared their own personal nightmares that they've experienced because I was very oblique when it came to describing what the actual dream was. I just said it involved my brother, which is why I'm sharing it on the podcast now. But everyone was very kind and, you know, so supportive in the sense of like, this is what I do. This is this helps me sleep. And I've always been someone who's like sleeps well. I've never suffered from insomnia. Like it doesn't usually take me a long time to fall asleep. So this is also very difficult for me in the sense of I I need my sleep. (laughs) And when I'm not getting it, like I feel so unproductive. My eyes hurt. My head hurts. And I just, ugh, it's just like a, it's just a train ride of crap happening. So I really hope this helps you guys. If you're someone who also has a reoccurring nightmare, I hope this gives you comfort and knowing, you know, again, like as, as usual with the message of this podcast, you're never alone. And there are ways to cure this and rid yourself of this. Um, I don't want it to become something for me that is so debilitating that I fear going to sleep, you know, and when I have these nightmares, like I, I do think about it a lot throughout the day and it, it just, it makes me feel very small and just very not good because I can't do anything about it. And, you know, obviously I'm very aware. I know there's no way I can reverse my brother's death in, in the present world. 
But in my dreams, I'm not aware of that. And it feels like I can prevent that. And I, I feel myself wanting to so much and I can't move. So it's just, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, it's just a very overwhelming sensation. And it's a lot of stimulus that I carry throughout the day, which feels very exhausting because I already didn't get enough sleep. And now I'm just like overwhelmed with all these emotions and these feelings and this fear. And it's just a lot to handle in a day. I'm going to try a lot of these approaches over the next several nights and I will report back to you guys um, in the next podcast. But I hope this helps some of you as well if you suffer from any sort of insomnia or nightmares, you know, reoccurring, whatever. And uh, if you have any extra or additional advice, I would love to hear from you guys on Instagram or the contact page on the blog, whatever. And I think that's what I've got for you guys. I love you all so dearly and I will see all of you beautiful souls next week.